You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible once again at Hebrews chapter 4. We have been talking about understanding and entering God's rest in His kingdom. Everybody say the rest of God. Verse 1, therefore since the promise remains of entering His rest, Again, just to clarify for those that haven't been yet, this is part how many, and it's been a lot, and so we've been through a lot of material. But the point that I want to make here is that we must always remember there's different types of rest. And if we don't understand that, and we see certain wording in the Bible, we can sometimes be caught in religious traditions which can actually cause the word to lose its effect. Jesus said that even about the scribes and Pharisees who were teaching his word. But he said, your traditions make my word null and void. And so they become of no effect. And so when we understand this terminology, sometimes when we come out of a world system, maybe a different upbringing, we think of wording in a certain way. And we can land up getting trapped in doing things wrong just based on our wrong understanding until we renew our minds to what God says in His Word. And then we change to His system. Then you see God results. And so when it comes to a rest, as I said, either you rest because you're tired or you rest because it comes to a stop. But there's a rest here spoken about God's rest. And what are we talking about? He says, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. So we need to access it by faith. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, that's the children of Israel in the wilderness, but the word which they heard did not profit them. How do you want the word of God that you hear to work for you? Well, then we need to learn from this because they heard the word, but it didn't work. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. Come down to verse 4. For he who who has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, God rested on the seventh day from all his works. You know God doesn't get tired. So he didn't rest because he's tired. He rested because he was finished. Once it's done, there's a rest that you enter into. But how do you know God's still God? He's still a creator. He's still speaking. He's still, it's not like he's sitting on his throne just, you know, uh, sipping on whatever they do in heaven and watching the sunset. No, he's he's still at at work, but it's not that labor work. We'll get into that in more detail later in the series. Verse 9, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Say, that's me. For he who has entered God's rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. So most rest happens because nothing's happening. But yeah, this rest, something has to happen. Be diligent to enter into it. So that's what we're talking about. If that is the case, then I want to know how to do that. Don't just tell me something, but show me how to do it. And so lest anyone fall according to the same Example of disobedience. Now, we've been talking about how to access this rest. Now, that last statement, disobedience. Everybody say disobedience. A year again, traditionally, from a religious, traditional, dead works mindset, 
we think of disobedience as being naughty. Just to put it plainly, it's like if you do this, you upset God and then he has to punish you. That's usually what we think of disobedience. And in today's society, it almost seems like, you know, it's kind of cool to be the bad boy. You know, it's, it's like you do things wrong and get away with it and see, now that's cool. And, and, and that's, see, it's a misunderstanding of disobedience. Disobedience isn't being naughty. Disobedience is understanding that God gives us instructions and we don't just do it because he's God and he's in charge and we better do it, otherwise he'll kill us. That's a misunderstanding again. When he says the wages of sin is death, it means that if you do things that contradict the way God's system works, then it will land up in death. In death. And death doesn't just mean your body stops working. It's in a state of death where you're not in a place living with God's life in you. And so the same way, if a manufacturer says, thou shalt not put water in the petrol tank, it's not because they're trying to put up, get more money out of their petrol sales. Uh, generally, water doesn't work unless you've designed a car to function on water. But even there, it's not working on the water. They separate the hydrogen out of from it, and that becomes the fuel. The point I'm making is, if the car's designed to work with petrol and decide to put water in the tank, you may get away with it for a few meters until that water hits the engine block. And the moment it enters into the piston, bam, that engine's going to cease. So what happened? The wages of disobedience, the engine died. Did you see that? It wasn't that it was being punished. What it did killed it. And God tells us how to live life and gives us these instructions and they not to try and constrict us and to keep us under oppression. It's to set us free so that we can live life the way it was designed to work. And if I see that, then I hate sin. Why? I don't hate it just because God hates it, and I don't really why, but, you know, he hates it, so I suppose I have to hate it too. No, I hate it because I see the destruction it brings to people's lives. And a lot of time people don't link this action with this result over here. Often things go wrong in our lives, and we have no idea why? Why me? How come? How come this always happens? How come I keep doing it? How come it's always be? people happen? People say, people keep doing. I, I go marry this one and then that. And then I marry that one. And, like, and then I marry that. Are there any good people out there? You know, hang on. There's a track record here. Come on now. By, by wife number five, you've got to say, hang on. There, there, maybe there's an issue deeper than the wives. Let's just get down to the reality here. Why? Because you've got to understand that there's a principle of the kingdom. Last time we had a look, we tracked from what happened with, with Adam, how he didn't invoke the blessing system. But then God came to Abraham and then taught him how to live by faith. And we studied in detail the faith of Abraham. But then you remember the promise was you would have a son. 
You're going to be a father of many nations. God says, I'm going to do it through you and make you a father of many nations. And then Isaac was born. The Bible calls him the son of promise. Everybody say the son of promise. And so the seed of Abraham is our faith. The Bible says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And his first offspring of many generations, many nations, many families, that's you and me. The very first seed was Isaac. And Isaac learned something from Abraham. The Bible says that God chose Abraham because he taught his children. God saw somebody that didn't just do, but explained why he did it. So that his children would understand. See, God is a generational God. Whatever he teaches you, he wants you to live in it, but not just for you to live in it, but to always give it to someone else. Even Jesus, when he left, he said, go make disciples, teaching them everything I taught you. So we don't live lives for ourselves. We always want to take those that are around us to a higher level. And so God did that with Isaac. And so let's see if he learned anything. Let's go to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. Verse 1. There was a famine in the land. Now what's a famine? A famine is a lack of food. Now, just saying famine is one thing, but uh, it's not just a matter of a lack of food at that moment. It is a lack of food over a long period of time. And the lack of food is because there's some factor causing that. Now, obviously, here in this region, we're talking about other than, you know, lack of uh, supply chains and things. This obviously was an agricultural society. So if there wasn't any food, then we know that there's a huge drought. And so there's been a drought, there's a lack of water, and as a result, they haven't been able to produce their crops, and they obviously had storage of food, and that has been used up, and then they still weren't able to produce, and even when that was used up, now they have to start using maybe the seed they're storing for later sowing, but now you're hungry, you've got to eat something. And so obviously with a famine, what happens is because of a lack of of supply is that things also become very expensive prices go up and so what used to be really cheap is now costs a lot of money so you can understand this is a place it's 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 what you would call a recession everybody say recession now you know that as people of faith doesn't matter what happens in the world it doesn't affect us if we choose to live by faith it's one time when South Africa was going through an, uh, what you would call an official recession. There's certain figures they have that once those figures are hit, then they declare it, it is now a recession. It doesn't matter what you feel like before, but now officially this is a recession. And it was being announced and it's in the newspapers and everything like that. And it was world news because when I went to uh, visit somebody in the States, they said to me, they hear there's recession in South Africa. I said, well, that's what the, the, the news is saying. So they said, how's it affecting you? And I said, well, I've chosen not to participate. See, we live in a different system. We live in God's kingdom. And we have his promise. 
And yeah, you're going to see this happening in Isaac's life. There's this recession. Family God, we may around us start feeling the pinch. Have you noticed that? I mean, you know, uh, when, when, when we were growing up and I had my first car, you'd go to a petrol station, you'd put 10 rand in. 10 rand, you can't even start the car now. You'd stop. <laughs> you know, you, you, you go down to the road to the cafe, it costs you like 100 bucks just to get down the road. What's happened to the fuel price? You see, this is all part of the world society. Everything is happening in the world. Uh, the, the shortage of foods and things like that, prices, inflation, it can start to affect us. And we can start to feel the pinch and we feel the pressure. It's like what used to fill up a trolley, now you can't even get in a basket. Uh, and so you, you, you notice these things are happening around us. And so here we see Isaac, he's, he's in this type of recession. And besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abraham, king of the Philistines, Philistines in Gerar. Now what's happening here? Now, notice the wording. It says there's a famine. This, this is the, other than the famine that happened during the days of Abraham. So now, why is Isaac going to Gerar? Now, you do a study, you'll find that from the region where he was living, to get to Egypt, you'd have to go through Gerar. So Gerar is a transit town on the way to Egypt. Now, remember when we studied Abraham, that's exactly what he did. He went down to Egypt. Why? Because of this famine. So when there's a famine, recession, where do you go? You go to the place that is rich, that's wealthy, has provision. And so even though he was called by God to live in the promised land, when there was trouble, he went down to where there was natural provision. And it made sense at the time. But God was teaching him something. So obviously Isaac had been aware of this. So now recession hits. So what's the first response? Well, what did dad do? He went to Egypt. That's a good idea. Let's go to Egypt. So he's on his way to Egypt. In other words, in the natural to a place of better provision. Now we know Egypt is a type of the world system. So what happens when we get into pressure, when we get into tension, when we can't have enough, when we don't have enough money coming out, there's more months than money. Well, what did dad do? He got a credit card. What did dad do? He got another mortgage on the house. Got into deeper debt. Are you with me? We can learn, go to the world says, maybe if I get a bond on my house, maybe if I take out more debt, maybe if I can get a credit line, maybe if I can get, you know, some kind of loan because I need to get through the tough time. And so we go to the world system and say, I need help right now because we're struggling, we're battling. But notice this, verse 2, the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I tell you. Family of God, get a hold of this. Not everything that we do in a world system is sin. Unless God's giving us a different instruction. So there's certain things you're going to do that are naturally right. You, you, you're going to pay the bills. You're going to, you know, 
get dressed, open, go to work, do whatever needs to be done. But we also need to be listening to God all the time. What is the next instruction? And yeah, Abraham's on his, uh, Isaac's on his way to Egypt. God arrests him, stops him and says, no, I want you rather than just responding out of a natural result, listen for my instruction. I'm going to tell you where you need to live. And he says in verse 3, dwell in this land and I will be with you and, and right there. Isaac has received his deliverance. The blessing. God's intention is for you to be blessed. Right from the Garden of Eden, it was established. And he says, yeah, if you want to be blessed, you need to be where I tell you to be. But God, this doesn't make sense. This is a dry land. This is a parched land. This is a land that, that, that's, that's in famine. How are you going to bless me in this land? For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands. Now listen. I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. I'll make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I'll give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. What are we talking about here? God's invoking the same blessing he spoke into Abraham. Verse 5. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So what's the response? Verse 6, Isaac dwelt in Gerar. He chose to obey God. Everybody say obedience. God gave an instruction and beyond what makes sense in the natural, he obeyed God. Verse 12, then Isaac sowed. In that land. Which land? Gerar. Where there is famine. Hello. Okay, Isaac, God says, stay, stay. But now what you're doing? Now you're going to go put seed in the ground. Oh, well, what are you doing? Now, hang on now. Isaac's learned something. And he's living a, a, a life. Now, if God says, stay then I'm in a blessed place. And if I'm in a blessed place, there's a key here that he's aware of, that we're learning about, that he puts into action. If God says stay, and he says he's blessed me, that means I can go ahead and sow my seed. Now, how do you know? I mean, you can just imagine. He's a stranger in the town. He's new there. And of course, he's living somewhere. And he goes outside his house and he starts to dig in the ground. I can just imagine the neighbor looking out the window. Hey, Myrtle, come look here. Look at this crazy guy from out of town. He's obviously new. He doesn't know what's going on yet. Go outside. Hi, who are you? Isaac. Oh, really? What are you doing? I'm digging. What are you doing? Sowing seed. Do you know what a famine is? You understand famine. Come on, how many you know there are people that will help you try and understand why what you're doing doesn't make sense? 
But he goes ahead. Regardless of what people think. Regardless of what's happening around him. And he sows his seed. Everybody say, sow seed. And what happens? And he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Now, remember Jesus when he was describing to the disciples that if you do something for the kingdom of God, you'll reap 30, 60, 100 fold. There's a progression. 30 fold, 60 fold, 100 fold. Isaac hits 100 fold. First time. I mean, how many of you have sown seed? And you know, like I heard a preacher once say, when he first got into sowing and reaping, he got to a point where he said, God, if you just give me back one for one everything I've ever sown, I'd be happy. It's like he was struggling with the, with the multiplication process. But how many people hit a hundredfold every single time? You sow a hundred rand, you're going to get 10,000 rand. It's like, woo, that, that seems like a good deal, isn't it? And yeah, he does. In the first year, he obeys God, he sows his seed, and he reaps a hundredfold. Now notice, and the Lord blessed him. And, in other words, the hundredfold's not the blessing. The blessing is what produces the hundredfold. See, the hundredfold is a law. I said the hundredfold is a law. A seed producing a harvest is a law. It's not a promise. See, if it's a promise, we're still wondering why God hasn't. No, if it's a law, it's built into the system. It's designed to work every single time. No matter how much you fast, it won't make it work otherwise. It's not because you cry and beg that it's going to work. It's not because God, I really need this. No, it takes the sowing of a seed and the law says there's a harvest coming. And the Lord blessed him. In verse 13, the man began to prosper, continued prospering until he became, until he became very prosperous. For he had flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now, family of God, the key to prospering is not a once-off. Like every, I'm sure almost every Christian can think of one time that they sowed a seed and God blessed them in abundance. And then they're still struggling. And you wonder, where's the prosperity? Now, notice it says the man began to prosper. The beginning is the key. But the answer from that is the continued prospering. Continued prospering. Stop doing things that will break the harvest. Break the process of seed. And that's what we're having a look at. Because we need to know how the system works. Because when it comes to sowing seed, remember Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Jesus said, the kingdom of God. Everybody say the kingdom of God. Now the kingdom of God is not just heaven. There's the kingdom of heaven. That's the place called heaven. But then the kingdom of God has been established in the earth. So the kingdom of God is wherever the king reigns. Wherever God is ruling, that is the kingdom. So the entire universe is the kingdom of God. But it's not just the place. It's the way the kingdom operates. 
Jesus is not saying the place of God is like this. No, the way the kingdom works, this is how it functions. The kingdom of God is as if a man scatters seed on the ground. Notice, it's a system. The whole kingdom works this way. Like a car functions on petrol, if it's built for petrol. So the kingdom works on seed system. Everybody say the kingdom of God works on seed system. So he scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps by night, rises by day. The seed sprouts and grows. He himself does not know how. I'm glad Jesus said that. I'm you glad there's certain things you don't have to know how they work. Can you imagine trying to be in control of your heart? I mean, four chambers, four valves. Each one has to open at the right time when another muscle must squeeze at the right time. You get that out of line, you have a problem. Now, that happens one beat almost every single second or even more. And it's happening all the time. And you weren't even thinking about it till I told you about it now. But it's working. Isn't that right? How you know you don't have to figure out how to distribute your your food system. There's certain nutrients and fibers and vitamins and minerals and and, uh, just get it in. The system will distribute it. So the kingdom of God works this way. You don't have to know how it works. But this happens. The earth heals crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. Everybody say law. The earth's design. You put seed in it, the earth will grow it. You put seed in it, the earth will grow it. See, the earth's not analyzing the seed. You know, if someone went and planted uh, dacha seed, marijuana, and then the police come and say, what's in your backyard? And say, no, that's the soil's fault. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, doesn't it's South African soil. It should know. No, the soil doesn't care. Whatever seed goes in, it'll grow. Whatever you sow, you reap. Whatever you sow, you reap. Your life is a result of sowing seed. Everything you and I have ever received in our lives comes from sowing seed. Whatever we get in life There's a previous seed causing that. I know that's unsettling to you the first time because we don't want to be blamed for anything. And and no, it's not always our fault. Maybe somebody else put seed in our lives that we didn't want there. But now we're finding out why things go wrong. Now we find out why things happen. And it's because of seed. Let me find out what that seed is, whether it was my fault or my family line, all the way my father, my grandfather, my great grandfather used to think and say things. Even if that's the case, I need to stop that from happening now. I'm going to change my agricultural system, my spiritual agriculture. I'm going to change the seed I put in. I'm going to uproot all the weeds and the junk and the nonsense, get that out, stop sowing that kind of seed and get the right seed in see verse 29 when the grain ripens you put in the sickle because the harvest has come the harvest has has come 
You see, the whole, the way the works-based system, that cursed system that God was talking about to Adam, where you get into toil and labor, we think we've got to go fetch the harvest. And there's, there's even a mindset that says, I don't deserve it if I didn't work for it. Come on, isn't that right? You hear of people that are doing really well, multi-millionaires, they're like, yeah, but how much work does he actually do? It, it's not about a work-based system. The kingdom of God is not a work-based system. It is a seed-based system. And if you put the seed in, the harvest comes. Now, of course, you have to put the sickle in and reap it. So there is labor involved there to bring the harvest in, but you don't go chasing harvest. <laughs> Come on. You put seed in and the kingdom produces the harvest. That's God's design. Everybody say it's God's design. Remember Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Everybody say whatever. You sow tomato seed, what are you going to get? Uh-huh. So dacha seed, what are you going to get? Uh-huh. Trouble. You can't say, if they come and ask you about it. No, I, I really thought it was tomato seed. Looked like tomato seed. I was hoping, I was believing for tomatoes. Doesn't matter what you're believing for. What you sow is what you reap. Family of God, if something keeps happening in our lives, if we keep coming up the same issue over and over, the same problem, the same debt, the same sickness and disease, the same things that are, if it keeps cropping up, we need to stop and say what seed is happening. Now you understand the enemy will try and attack us, he'll try and bring things against us, things will go wrong, things will happen. But if we have a right seed system in place, we can stop what the devil tries to bring against us. You're getting a hold of this. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now the good news about that is that if you're expecting something of God's word, his seed is incorruptible seed. And just as sure as you know, if we do something wrong, something bad happens, then we, if we do something right according to the word of God, we can expect the good that God has promised that the seed will produce. Everybody say amen. amen. Look at verse 8. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap. In due season we shall reap in due season. We shall reap if we do not lose heart. There's a vital key there. Remember that continue prospering? I've had people come to me, not lots, just, you know, occasionally. And they'll say, this, this sowing seed, this sowing and reaping doesn't work for me. Well, first of all, the problem may be in your tongue. Because if you say it's not working, Jesus said you have what you say. Now, you need to refer to my previous messages. But secondly, how long have you waited? Some seed takes a long time. Janine and I have sown seed and we've stood in faith for nine years. Have you even been in the church that long? 
You've just learned the principle. <laughs> Maybe the year ago or two years ago. Uh, have you waited at least nine, nine years? And you know that if, if, uh, if a dog falls pregnant, in 60 days you've got puppies. Imagine Adam watching that. 60 days, 60 days, 60 days. Then Eve comes along. God gives him Eve. Now go multiply. Okay. And they go multiply. She's pregnant. 60 days. Where's my baby? Hello. Where's my baby? Yeah, but uh, I don't know. We've got no idea. No one's done this before. A dog did it in 60 days. Well, I'm not a dog. Hello. And you understand that there's a different system. It's a different species, different method. Amen. And here's the other thing. You can't impregnate nine women and get a baby in one month. You'd be amazed what Christians try. <laughs> no, this is a system. And if you trust the system, God is not mocked. If you've sown your seed and it's not yet today, it is on its way. Say that. If it's not yet today, it is on its way. The key is to not lose heart. The seed always produces. Say the seed always produces. Now notice it says do not be deceived. What does he mean by do not be deceived? Well look at verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. What's that talking about? Well the New Living Translation says those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers sharing all good things with them. The Amplified says, Let him who receives instruction in the word of God share all good things with his teacher, contributing to his support. Now, why would that be linked to sowing seed? Is it just that God wants to look after the preacher? No. Everywhere say the whole kingdom works on seed sowing. So what's he talking about here? Remember Jesus said in Mark chapter 4 verse 13, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? He has a key instruction. In other words, if you don't get this teaching, you won't understand anything else. Everything else relies on this teaching. Why? The whole kingdom is as if a man sows seed. What does he say? The sower sows the word. That's where your sowing begins. The sower sows the word. The greatest seed in the kingdom of God is the word of God. Look at Luke chapter 8 verse 11. Same parable. The parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. So when you give into the preaching of the word, you are sowing the word. Do you get that? God's set the system up. The one preaching the word needs to be supported to preach the word. You may not be able to preach to a lot of people. But if you sow into that, then the word can be preached. God counts it as if you were doing the preaching. You get the same harvest as the one preaching. The souls that are saved. You getting this? 
And if you get this principle, remember Jesus was dealing with a rich ruler who was struggling with, you know, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus challenged him on some of his, his, his natural-based obeying of the law. And he said, I'm doing it. I'm, I work hard. I'm a good man. And Jesus said, I can see that. You're right. You do your best to keep the law. There's one thing you lack. And he tried to break his system of what he understood finances to be. He said, now you need to break out of that world, religious world wealth system and get into a system of helping other people, helping others. Remember, he walked away sad. Remember that? So the disciples came to him and said, and Jesus answers and he says in verse 23, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Now, that is one of the most misunderstood verses. There's a lot that have been misunderstood, and you hear me bring them up every now and then. This is one of them. People say, based on this, rich people don't go to heaven. How hard it is for a rich man to go to heaven. That's not what it's saying. Remember, the kingdom of God is a method. Those who have riches... You come into the kingdom of God with riches. That means those riches were not obtained by God's kingdom system. It was obtained by the labor system, the world system, the toil system. Yeah. Now you come into the kingdom of God. It's going to be difficult to change that mindset. Because you think the only way to get rich is by making someone else poor. Now that is the world system. Even though a rich person will deny it. The world-based system is somebody has to get poor for the other to get rich. That's why we hate it so much. But God's kingdom, everybody prospers. Everybody prospers. Even if I give everything away to someone, they blessed. For sure they are. But so am I. If I understand the kingdom system. And he's saying it's difficult to come over to the system. And so the disciples were astonished at his word. And they shocked. And Jesus said, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying amongst themselves, who then can be saved? See, they're still thinking with the old system. Because oh, they're probably doing pretty well. I mean, with them, they lacked nothing. As long as Jesus was around, they had gold to pay taxes. They ate all the food they needed. Whatever they wanted, they didn't lack. Now you're saying it's difficult to get into the kingdom of God. And Jesus looked and they said, with men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we've left all and followed you. And Jesus answered, now listen to this. Assuredly, I say to you, there's no one who's left houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospel. You've given up everything for the sake of the word. What's that? That's the kingdom system. You made the word the priority. You made my cause your priority. Priority. What happens? Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time? In this time. God's not mocked. You sow a seed, 
you reap a harvest. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands. Oh. <coughs> Persecution. And in age to come, eternal life. You see, now we don't want to hear that part of it. How you know the enemy is going to try and attack your understanding and concept of harvest? Jesus giving you a heads up here. Family, we need to make a decision. Do you want to prosper? Then it doesn't matter what persecution comes. doesn't matter what people think or say. doesn't matter what happens. We're going to do it God's kingdom way. We're going to understand his system. And we want to know that we're working according to his principles, his system. Say this, the whole kingdom, the whole kingdom is sowing seed, reaping a harvest. Think about this. Every time God wanted to deal with a man, what do you have in your hand? I'm ready to do something, but what do you have in your hand? I only got a stick. That's fine. Lift it up and watch the ocean open. What, what, not the ocean, the sea open. Watch the, I suppose you could open an ocean, but he didn't. Moses opened the sea. Amen. You lift the staff. What do you have in your hand? Nothing. Just a little bit of oil and some flour. That'll work. Bring it to me. What do you have? I've only got a little bit of oil left. That's fine. Get a lot of pots. Now don't get a few. Get every pot you can find. What do you have in your hand? I only got five loaves and two fish. That's enough. Bring it to me and I will bless it. You see, everything that happens in the kingdom of God is through a seed principle. They were working all night, toil-based system, labor-based, toil. Jesus said, you know, what have you caught? Lord, we've toiled, there's the key, all night. We've caught nothing. He says, throw out your nets. What happened? They gathered a multitude of fish. Get a hold of this. It wasn't the season for fish. You don't fish during the day. Fish at night. Family God, your harvest is coming regardless of season. And here's the other thing. What they reaped was equivalent to a lifetime of fishing in one day. See, you can work all your life and not catch that many fish. But when Jesus gets in your boat, you get the sudden. Now, here's the key. Here's the question. Did Peter sow a seed? He had to have. This is what you got to get. You cannot have a harvest without a seed. Someone says, well, what was his seed? Jesus said, can I use your boat to preach the gospel? See, he was getting him into the kingdom system. I want to bless you with a harvest, but I need something from you first. And he used his boat and he preached the gospel. Family, can Jesus use your boat? May he use your business. May he use your life. Get him in your boat and you set yourself up for the seed and harvest system of his kingdom. Come on, give Jesus praise if you got a hold of that. Let's stand to our feet.
Thank God for His Word. Just lift your hand, place your other hand on your heart and say this, Father, thank you for your living Word. Your Word is life to me. It is the truth. And I am a believer, not a doubter. I'm a hearer of the Word and also a doer. And I thank God for the privilege of sowing seed. And I see every action that I do, every word that I say, everything that I give, everything that I do. For your kingdom is considered seed. And I thank you. I'm living in the law of seed time and harvest. You're not mocked. And I believe just as Isaac sowed and in the same year reaped 100 fold as I have sown my seed. I thank you in due season. My harvest is coming in. I have it. I've received it. It's on its way. And I thank God that I have known that I do know the power of sowing seed. I give you praise for the harvest in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God.